The Hops and Stocks podcast is presented by 100 Spoke Media Group. We encourage our listeners to drink responsibly. Please note, we are not financial advisors. We do not offer or provide financial advice. And uh, we'll be hey, in touch, man. Hey, hey John, since, since this is it, man, I just want to say you should go. <laughs> I, can, I can accept that. That I can accept, man. Can. Hey, you, you, gave, you gave us a new catchphrase, man. We're gonna, we're gonna be using that all over the place, man. Y'all go. gonna use that with a nigga. Somebody gonna be crazy. You gonna be like, they're like, man, this place is crazy, blah blah. Be like, you right. You should go. <laughs> Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's 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 do let's do take three. Let's take three. Let's clean it take up. Take three. Yeah, let's clean it up. I mean, it doesn't have to be. You right. You right. Clean, man. Take three. Take three. Welcome to the Hops and Stocks podcast, brought to you by Hunter Spoke Media Group. Today we'll be reviewing four beers from all around the country. Uh, I believe we have some Berliner Wise, a Stout, some sours. Um, Got a brown ale. You said a brown ale? Yeah. We're hoping to have a special guest on this evening to talk finances with us, John Lumpkin. Um, Les, let's go ahead and get it started off with what's the drink of the night. All right. Uh, I'm going to pass it to the next person because I ain't poured up yet, but whoever's poured up, go ahead and set it well, off. I'm not, I'm not poured up, but I was <laughs> poured up on Saturday. Um. I do not enjoy what's in this can. What is that? <laughs> this is called Urban Artifact. Oh, ah, okay. It is yeah. a, it's, it's called Astronaut Food by Urban Artifact. It's a blackberry and raspberry freeze-dried fruit tart ale. Pour, hey, pour it in a, uh, a glass so we can see what it looks like. He's going to drink it again. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I didn't, hold on. Let, you want me to crack it? I want to see what Are it looks like. So you ain't you ain't even trying to sip it again? No. <laughs> you trying to get rid of them? You trying to get rid of them? Yeah. Oh. I mean, this is a $30 four pack. Oh, eight wow. ounce. Eight ounces. Mm. I'm I'm not, but what's the what's the, what's the what's the draw? What's the draw on it? Like why why are they able to uh sell it for like that? I think the lure was the $30. So it's like Oh, yeah. $30. It must, it, it must be good if it's $30. Yeah. It's intriguing. Just like when Nipsey sold his mixtape for $100, people bought it. Yeah. What about the, but the, a, the ABV is pretty high, too, though, right? The ABV is 15. Oh, wow. You get smacked, smacked off of that little can. It's too, it has too much sour bite to it, in my opinion. I mean, it hit, you, it hit you all up in here, man. You like sour. <laughs> yeah, I like sour. So I was uh I was with Beat Up this past weekend. Um, we got to sample some brews and whatnot. And I tried it and I didn't think it was that I didn't think it was terrible. Um I don't believe it was worth the 30 bucks for a four pack, so I wouldn't buy it um at that price point, but it wasn't terrible. But I like sours and I like tart beers, so it didn't it didn't really turn me off. So beat up, it gets uh how many mugs out of five mugs? I'm gonna give this 
a two mug rating. Oh wow, uh, two two's not bad. Two's not a bad. Two, and that's me being generous. Two mug. Yeah. I would not purchase this brew again. I did not oh. like, like I said before, I did not like what's in this can. I didn't like the way it hit my pocket. Right. And if anybody <laughs> wants to buy this off me, you're more than welcome. To come <laughs> to <buy. laughs> I bought a single. I bought a single. I'm gonna taste mine, and I may. I gotta get it for a discount, though. You know, what I mean, you ain't gonna be trying to flip you it. Sell it to me for like twenty. Oh, like, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, if y'all mind, I'll go ahead and go next. Yeah, have at it, man. The uh, man, this is delicious. It's the double strawberry imperial smoothie pie, untitled art. Some of the notes that you hit with are uh, the Berglinger style Weiss ale. I'm saying that right, brewed with strawberry, lemon, and passion fruit. And you you really get the lemon and the passion fruit. It's, it's a great mix. This, this is what it kind of looks like in my kill cup. Yeah, okay. And when, um, so when I first sampled it, I'm like, man, this is, you know, delicious. Um, there's something that may come after it that's even better. But I think UA did a real good job on this one. I would probably give it a, I mean, out of five, right? Yeah, I think you said that. Yeah, this, this is a clear four and a half for real. Ooh, nice, nice. I think that might be the uh, so far. I mean, it's, you can smell the notes. It's eight uh, percent. It's eight percent. Yeah, yeah, eight percent. It's kind of funny. It's really, it's really delicious. Kind of funny. The first two brews we did were both uh, UAs, but it's two different UAs. Uh, B Dubs is Urban Artifact. Out of the Natty, and uh, Doug's is Urban Arts. Is that is that right? Urban Arts. Untitled. Untitled Arts. Untitled, Untitled Arts. Out of Wisconsin. So I did not know. I did not Philly. know that out of Cincinnati. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah it's it's a church. Uh, I mean, for those of y'all familiar with Cincy, it's a church uh, on the north side. Uh, a lot of people really seem to like you know like what they make. I, I'm not a huge fan of the sour and the tart beers. Do they? Uh, is that what they're known for, tart style? Yeah, beer? I mean, as far as I know, everything I've ever heard them make is, you know, in that. They're brewing, style. they're brewing beer right next to a school, <laughs> giving the kids jig on the way home. And it, it's, it's like a, it's, like jig. a it's another beer spot right across the street from there. Uh, I, I can't think of the name of it. That's crazy how they convert churches into, you know, anything yeah. nowadays. Remember that church down on Calhoun. Um, at the end of, at, as soon as you get on yeah. Calhoun, yeah, 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 that yeah. church has been converted to something. All word. We used to do car washes there uh, for uh, some fundraisers, but yeah, that that's not even the church anymore. You know what I'm talking a, about, Billy? It used to be next to uh, Prime Time. Yeah, across the street from uh, Hard Hard to Knock Life, whatever, or Hard to Knock Fashions. Yeah, I know you're talking about. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. So you know. Your opinion of the strawberry, Billy, you, you didn't like it? it to me, it, it was a good beer. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drink the four-pack that I did purchase. Right. Um, to me, it wasn't anything that I haven't tasted from other offerings from Untitled Art. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good point. They, they stayed in the pocket, man. They didn't. They stayed in the pocket, but... I mean, it's it's, I enjoy a, it. Yeah, it was a, it's a safe brew. Like you know, yeah. if somebody offered it to me, I drink it. You know, what's the percent on that one, Doug? Eight percent. Nice. I tried that one this weekend too. I liked it. 
it just it didn't it didn't wow me though um when you, when i first seen it when you first posted the picture and that's one thing that uh untitled art does really really well they captivate you with they with their social media so if you if somebody or even with their artwork on their cans but a lot of times the social media they really stage their beers really well and it's like man I, you can almost taste that mug through the through the post you're like i got yeah, it yeah. You, you, yeah. you start running wild in your mind like well it's gonna taste like this yeah, like so sometimes uh for me a lot of times they 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 hit it sometimes it's a miss and you're like damn they got me but no nah, I, I like what they do as far as their social media how they stage a lot of their beers um i love their artwork um and the fact that they collab with a lot of people so you're always getting something different out of those guys yeah and just to piggyback off of that like as well as the visuals of the cans that the name of the actual beer is what grabs me every time yeah until you crack that can, it's like. <sighs> yeah. But what I what I notice, a lot of it is like marketing and how well you can present your product. And you know these breweries who do a good job, who collab with some good marketing people, who are able to present their product. You know they they may get the first shot at your money, but you won't keep going back unless it tastes good. And I think Untitled Art has done well of making it tastes well enough where you keep going back. Cause I don't care how fancy the damn can is, the shit ain't tasting good. So maybe that's it. Maybe I wasn't disappointed. So since I'm not disappointed, I just think it's the shit, but it just, it tastes good to me. I think, I think that's part of their, their, their marketing strategy. Like as far as, I think it, they do it on purpose as far as um, coming out with the beer and not making a lot of them and they sell out quick. So you're always anticipating the next batch That's smart. they're making. It gets you coming back. It's not necessarily the beer. It's like, maybe you had this one, it wouldn't, it didn't taste so well. And so you're waiting for the next one to see if it tastes better. And it's like almost addictive. Man. Yeah, it's like an arms race. We'd be rushing to get them joints and then, you know, show, show who got it and who ain't got it. Mm -hmm. Taste it first. I don't even think they have a, a standard beer like i think everything that they do is like one-offs um i've seen some repeaters come back like i know they the was it like the triple hazy ipa i've seen a couple of variations of that but you know i want some certain people have just this is a standard beer i can go yeah. to the store and get this every single time they seem to you know collab and every single time they putting out something different i wish they would have a staple beer that yeah, or, or, or a couple staples, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's a couple that I would love to see in rotation. Like all that pineapple. Time. That pineapple, that peanut butter stout, um, that blood guava. orange, that blood, that, yeah, guava. that guava, that blood orange sweet and sour was good. Um, but then again, that may prevent me from buying other things because I would probably literally just given the keep price point. Back. Yeah, I would just probably just keep going back. If they if they mass produced it, it seemed like you would have a different appreciation for it. See, now it's kind of scarce. So you have to savor that beer. You're like, man, I don't know what I'm gonna I don't know what I'm gonna get it again. So I'm gonna savor this beer. Right. If it's mass produced, you were like, man, I can get this anytime. I mean and see, if it gets mass produced, that price will come down. And I think that's the lore too. Cause you you're spending eighteen dollars for a four pack. Yeah. You know what I mean, sometimes maybe twenty dollars. I wonder That's who else be in the store snatching it up, like other than us. Oh, yeah. It'd it be gone, like y'all said. Yeah, that, I, um, 
That's I'm Charleston a, was the last one. <laughs> I'm in a couple beer groups down I'm here. I'm the only one drinking, man. I mean, Bro, I, what's, I, what's I, going on, man? I have literally sipped every time I talk. Yeah, I'm, but, I'm, I'm uh, You got to pour something else up. If you don't like that, B-Dub, you got to get something else in your hand. Man. I'm in a, uh, some Nashville beer groups down here, and it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a race to the store when certain things drop. Um, Untitled Art, there's a, um, there's another brewery, Pontoon, people go wild behind that, uh, was it 450 or something brewing? Um, but when you walk into the, <clears throat> excuse me, when you walk into to the bottle shop, it's so many different brews, man. So it's not like you're going to go in there and be like, oh, damn, I missed out because you're always going to find something. There's right. 90% of the time, you haven't had everything that's in there. Yeah, well, actually, yeah. probably higher percentage than that. Man, 100% of the time. Yeah, 100% I mean, of the time. I don't, know, I don't know how long it would take me to drink everything in my spot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we're it, it, part it of this good. one group. We're part of this one group called uh, HH. Honey <laughs> and uh, in this group, you know, we just go, we walk in and uh, we talk to the guys. <laughs> we ask them for recommendations. They take our money. We leave with beer. Man. <laughs> That's what happens. Our uh, our beer concierge. That's our group. That's our group. I'm getting other people a part of it, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Big Carib, he'll stop by HH and see what's up. Oh, he don't have a, he don't have his own spot. Nah, man. He, he, he's part of the group. Yeah, that's that's why I'm saying, man, we need to we need to go down there, man. I wish we could present some numbers, man, because I know we've bought them so much business, man. One of I, I just wanna I just wanna I just wanna just circle back around, man. I'm a strawberry lemonade fan. Like I like strawberry lemonade, and when I drink this, that's what I get. I get I, I get a strawberry lemonade with a little kick of you know what I mean the the fruit. So that's why I'm sold on it, man. I mean, you know, you know really. I might, I might go revisit that right now, man. Hey, hey, beat up on that on that fifteen percenter. Did did the fifteen percent actually hit you? Did you feel that? So you know the fifteen percent in a UA normally it's yeah. in a stout. You can taste that extra jig off top. Yeah, this ain't like that. Did it? Uh, did it? Did it have you where you needed to be after one? Well, I split it three ways. Ah, okay, I got it. And, and mind you, it's oh, it's, like a, it's eight ounces. It's yeah. eight ounces. Ah, okay, yeah. I only got about this much, you know. Okay. Yeah, but when we talk about uh about honey holes, you know, they like some cats prize possessions. They don't want other cats knowing where they honey hole is. <laughs> <laughs> they, don't want, they don't want it's it's almost like your girl. You don't want other cats touching on your girl. So oh, yeah. tell, tell them what you tell them what you did though. E. I know I funny, see some pictures. I see some pictures of some honey hole. <laughs> yeah, funny story is. So I was down and dating this weekend, and I'm just gonna flash this picture real quick as to protect the integrity of the honey hole. And so <laughs> B Dub has a spot that you know only he feel like he allowed to go to. <laughs> I'm standing outside of this spot and I take a picture real quick and I send this man this picture of his honey hole. And he knows he knows how I do when I go to go to a beer spot. I'm trying to clear the shelf, especially if it's some stuff that I can't get back home. You know, if it's if it's something that I'm checking for and stuff I can't get back home, then yeah, I I, I get a couple fours. Yeah, I've heard I've heard you you clear shelves, man. Yeah, yeah man. I, I mean, I, I kind of feel B-Dub's pain, man. Like, he, he's the only one in Dayton, man. It seems like, you know, his hole should be to himself, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> Me and Doug have ours down here. E, you've got, you know, the run of the mill in Nashville. There's no need for you to be oh, man. raiding the yeah, man's man. hole in Dayton. Right. <laughs> All right. I'm a, um, 
Yeah, so, moving on. Moving yeah, on. Move on. <laughs> let's get this thing going. So when we talk about, you know, earlier we mentioned about artwork. Um, and I ain't gonna lie, this is one that I bought solely on the artwork. I looked at it, I was like, damn, that's a that's a clean looking can. So this is uh I don't know if they're pronounced Ology or Ology. I think it's Ology. Um, they're out of Tallahassee, Florida. And this is a Burliner style wild Burliner style ale with passion fruit um, called Singularity of Passion. Um, I like it. It's really good. Like Chris, um, typically I go crazy for ABV, but as you can see, that's only 4.5. Yeah, okay. Um, and a lot of people, they look down on beers that ain't, you know, 7%, 10% because of the price point. You're like, man, if I'm spending, you know, $18 on a four pack, I want something that's gonna get me righteous. You know what I'm saying? Something in the sevens, eights. But this is this is nice, man. It, um, the passion fruit comes through. And then with your your burr liners, <clears throat> it's gonna be your lighter style, lighter style type beer. So I, I could see me drinking this chilling at the pool or something like that. Um I would give it, I would give it a four. I think uh untapped had it like a three-six, but it's but if you don't like tarts, if you don't like tarts and sours, this is not gonna be for you because it's, it's both of those. But I, this is something I could definitely see sitting around a pool drinking. Yeah, I like those Burr Liners. Uh, I've had a couple in my day. I I enjoy, the, the like you said, the lighter flavor. It's uh-huh. a good spring, summery drink. I think once you get past 10% on a beer, you start messing with the taste of the beer. Um, Like 12, 14, 15, as as high, it just like to me like they sacrificed the taste for a higher ABV. What was that? What was that first UA that was fifteen? I loved it. Y'all was it was Macadamia. one of those. Yeah, y'all kept talking about the jig taste, but excuse me, I thought that was really good. Like that mug was fire, to be honest. Yeah, I think to clarify for the listeners, man, when we talk about the jig taste, we're talking about you know, having a nice beer and it almost tasting like someone put a shot of, you know, whatever in it. And it kind of gives it that sting. And, you know, some of us are, you know, not really fond of that. We call it the jig taste. Yeah. <laughs> jig in large quantity. Well, yeah, I welcome, I welcome the jig taste. <laughs> and speaking of welcome, uh, welcome John Lumpkin with the Lumpkin and Lumpkin group. Hey man, appreciate it. What's going hey, on, man? man? Apologize um, for being late. I'm I'm still walking in uh from practice, man. Oh I'm, man, <laughs> are you good? No problem. No problem. I, mean, I gotta roll this rim in right. Here. How y'all fellas doing, man? What's going on, brother? Well, well, go ahead and get settled. Man. Hey, John, go ahead and get settled. We're gonna finish this part of the podcast with the uh, the brews, and we'll bring you in afterward. So go ahead and oh, get yeah. settled. You, you know I'm not a beer guy, man. Y'all gotta have a bourbon day, man. <laughs> right. Tell me y'all gotta have a bourbon day. Uh, there you go. There you go. You see those. Yeah, that's what that's where it's at right there, man. Yeah. <laughs> Beer's all empty calories, man. Bourbon, that's a that's that's good drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, let me give give me one second, brothers. I'll be with y'all just. All right, we'll finish up. All right, we'll see you soon. All right, uh, I'm gonna finish up mine. Uh, I got this uh, beer from Sonder, uh, Mason, Ohio. It's called Coconut Tears. I think y'all can see it a little bit with my funny background or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's, it's called a brown ale. It says it's got cocoa, vanilla, and toasted coconut. 
and the ABV on this joint is 5.8. When they say brown ale, they ain't lying, man. This probably look black to y'all, but it, you know, it's like a dark chocolate or whatever. But it, it's really good, man. Uh, it ain't it ain't overly coconutty. Um, it, it reminds me of something, but I can't, you know, put my finger on it right now. But it it's really tasty, man. I'd like to have it, you know, as a house brew. I, I think it's it's a solid three and a half, four. I wouldn't mind, you know cracking in and watching the game or whatever that's a good cosign how long have you had that how long have you been sitting on that beer how long when'd you buy it mm, maybe a month ago something like that the sonder come back to their beers do they got do they have a standard line or they are they always I, rotating i don't i don't know I, I you know i haven't i haven't dealt with them long enough to know um i i think they do have do have a standard line of you know like ipas and stuff like that but as they far, have a lager. They have a lager that I've yeah. had. As far as some of the stuff we've been introducing, I don't know if they, I don't know if they rotated or what. Their lager was good. I mean, their lager was very good. It, it remind me, it remind me of Coors um, Light. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, a very Coors Light, like on steroids, but it's, it's still a Coors Light. Cheers. <laughs> But um, let me let me go pour up, man, because now I saw that um y'all have been talking highly about Sonder. So when I was back in the city this past weekend, I picked up a couple of their offerings. Um, I got that Mella, which is, I believe, some sort of passion fruit. I, I saw that uh, in the store today. I didn't I didn't pick one up. but uh, yeah, Sound yeah. good. Is it sour? Uh, sour passion fruit? Let me grab it. Yeah, I think I've seen that today as well. So back to this fancy background you have, Diggs. <laughs> so it's the, what's on the shelf? What's on the shelves back there? Yeah, I seen that one. Yeah, uh, I was gonna get that one. Sour always. I like sours. The word sour will 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 turn me off because I'll I'll come home and and have to put some some sugar in it for real. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Remember those one brews we was putting a little sugar in, a little. Yeah. What, what which one was that? Oh no, it was, just, it was too tart, man. I had to. It might, out some been, sugar. it might have been the peach for me. Speaking of peach, man, this the second line of peach that UA has. Yeah, I got that one. Oh, you do? That's yeah, delicious, man. We I should... got that one and the strawberry based off of. I know I got the peach off of your recommendation, and I think I heard I heard a couple of y'all say the strawberry was straight, so I got that too. Yeah. I got the peach, man. Practice yet? The peach, the peach is better. Peach is better than the strawberry for mine. This the, the second coming because you know they already had a peach out. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, I don't know if we want to even go into another. Uh, we can review, save that for the next one. Yeah, well, I mean, was, we we talked we we had the first speech on for the first review, I think. Yeah, and and I gave it, I gave it a good uh, rating, but this one even is even better, man. I mean, what they've done to the second round of peaches, phenomenal. Yeah, so I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop reviewing yeah. UA, man. I'm gonna review something different. Next man, time. well, it's, it's the reason why I always try to grab something different because I know it's a good chance that one of y'all gonna do UA. So I'm like, man, let me just stay away from the UA and just try to find something different. Yeah. But I think it's, it is about peach season, right? Because I think the peach truck be coming around here and like you can get all the fresh peaches, the uh, peach jam, and all that. No word. Yeah, that's a good pour. That's a good pour. Hey, man, that looks that looks delicious. <laughs> that hefty ass mug. Yeah, my my uh 
I can't even say it. We, we, we're recording. <laughs> we got long back. All right. Has everybody previewed their work, their works? Yeah, yeah. I think we all going over the so let me uh let me introduce to everyone. Uh we have a special guest. Excuse me for eating. I'm I'm just off the golf course, so I'm I'm a little hungry. So excuse um, me for having a Gatorade because I've been chasing children around. Oh, that's good, man. <laughs> well, we have John Lufkin. He's a uh Trowood alum, Ohio State alum. He played football and basketball for Ohio State. He's also a member of the um prestigious and the notorious and the illustrious. Cap Alpha South Fraternity Incorporated. He is my distant sans, and he's here to talk to us about, you know, um, he's a financial advisor. So all the, all the knowledge that he has about those things, he's going to, I heard he's going to correct what we've been saying wrong about a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> so we welcome that, and we welcome the conversation. So um, Hops and Stocks, welcome John Lumpkin. John Lumpkin, how you doing today, man? Hey, What's going man. on, Lump? Thank you What's for joining on? us. No, I appreciate y'all having me, man. I um get you uh get you a glass of bourbon, man, and you know, I mean, pour up. Man, you trying to have me just pass out, man. Oh, okay, never mind, man. never mind. Start drinking. I, got, I gotta have a, a little bit of settle down time before I just jump <laughs> right in. <laughs> like I said, right now I'm just I'm straight on this. What is it? Kiwi strawberry zero Gatorade. Oh, <laughs> I see Billy's drinking a V8 over there or something. <laughs> He's drinking one of these, man. We got to get you on, Lump. We got to get you on to the Untitled Art, man. Man, if uh, I see y'all talking about beer, man, if y'all can find one that I like, man, because I haven't tried everything, man. All these craft brew places around, man, and had all these different flights. I just, I've, I've accepted I'm not a beer guy. Yeah. Mm. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, this entire group, these guys used to say the exact same thing until I started putting them on some different stuff. Oh, that, well, that's well, true. Well, that's well, true. That, that you're wrong. That you're wrong about. I've always been enjoying my beer. You, you didn't. You didn't put me on anything. But carry on. We had to keep Billy off of it when he was a sophomore in high school, so he could finish football practice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I special. I special brews. Blast was. Blast did dabble in craft brew. Yes. Speaking of special brews, did y'all know that St. Ives has a album? What? They had an really? album out. Ice with all, Cube. With all the old cuts? Huh? With all them old commercial cuts? Yeah. Oh, wow. Scarface on there. Snoop Dogg on there. It's St. Ives. Look it up. Then they might Ives. be okay with all those people on there, but I, I was side-eyeing it at first. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so, Lump, what was your, uh, what was your take on this? On this Dodge coin going up, are you? Do you dabble? Do you? Do you well, um, well, recommend a little before Bitcoin? We, before, we, before we jump into something, let's let Lump give his his background and talk about his business. Yeah, um, for uh, compliance reasons, I don't give the firm, but I am a, yeah. you know, I, I'm I'm with a Fortune 500 uh, firm. Um, came from a, another Fortune 500 firm. You'll see both of them all over everything. Uh, but I've been a financial uh, services industry for the last, shoot, it's probably been almost 20 years now. Um, mm -hmm. From the insurance, uh, the insurance side to the banking side, um, into the investment side. And that's where I've been the investment side for the last 14, 15 years. So, <clears throat> you know, um, I manage, uh, manage funds for- I'll drink to that. I'll drink to that. 
<laughs> I mean, as far as individuals, um, foundations, corporations, um, so pretty much anybody that's got some money, we can find somewhere to put it for them. Um, we assess risk, man. We uh, that's what we do. We assess risk and we try to uh, put people into their uh, their risk tolerance and uh, try to maximize what they can uh, what they can return. Get what get get for return. Mm. Um, you know, recommendation wise, uh, recommendation wise are, are all individuals. Um, you know, if you uh, throw out some, I will caution anybody when there's blanket um, recommendations, you should be wary of them because there's five of us right here talking right now. We all five of us have different things that we're dealing with. We've got different family situations, different house situations. So if I'm making a blanket um, recommendation, it's going to be wrong for somebody. Everything should be specialized. <clears throat> Out of all my well, clients. I got to correct you because it looks like you have a, a mansion recommendation or something <laughs> we, yeah that, that's some different architecture back there right man. you know what i mean so yeah you yeah you do have a different house but we i would have to say it maybe there's a mansion yeah i'm, a, I'm, a, I'm what we call house poor man i built this bad boy in a, a interesting story you know built our home and had to wait to fire the contractor and then i, right. I actually literally built i mean built this house myself um you know, it wasn't even finished being framed. I had to throw people off my property. And, you know, I, I remember I, that. I, I wear remember a suit. That. Yeah, I wear a suit, man. And then, you know, these dudes had the nerve to, uh, they let it fool them one day. And they uh, came here and talked crazy to me in my house. Like, oh, I said, hold on just a second. <laughs> Take my right. suit off, took my coat off. And I was like, say that again to my face. Wow. <laughs> and these were the like, contract these were the contractors? Man, these were some dudes that were some plumbers, man. And they they had me twisted. They had me confused as like some stuff shirt. I was like, man, I will choke you to death. I said, I don't get yelled at in general. And I said, but you damn sure ain't gonna yell at me in my house. So who's working with him? Get y'all shit and get the up off my property. I mean, was was this guy like seven feet? John, you're like six eight, man. Like what I, the hell? It was the suit, man. He was like, oh, this dude, this, he, he's thinking, here's this rich guy that shows right. up. Not, oh, here's this West Side, uh, this West Side Dayton Trotwood dude that's going to yeah. choke him if he say right. something crazy. Right. And, um, you know, everybody else. I, 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 I get it. I mean, you should have just, just pulled out the old state jersey. I would have thought, you know, cats would have stepped back after that. Nah, man, that was it. Was beyond trying to be amicable. I mean, you can't. I can't come in your house and just yell at you all crazy. You gonna be like, "Oh man, London lost his mind," and we know uh, each other. You and, really and not I'm gonna let a stranger come up, right? Here. And I'm supposed to be giving you money, like you're you're in my pocket talking right. crazy, That's right? And everybody was paid on time, so. But yeah, um, but you know, back to what I was saying, you know, recommendation. Well, you just gotta be be careful on that when you're taking blanket recommendations because people don't know your personal situation. Yeah. Um, there's some general information that can be out there uh, for some things. And, you know, and it's, it's this crypto thing, everybody is, um, you know, there's a craze going on right now. Um, I have my personal opinions about it. There's uh, professional opinions about it. Um, me personally, when I look at something that's new to the market, um, you, it's, it's going to be exciting. People are going to want to be inside of it. It's, I think more so than the, um, the currency the, is the technology behind the currency. Right. I mean, the, the blockchain, blockchain. Yeah, the, the blockchain, blockchain technology is something that is, um, it's incredibly secure. 
um, so much so that it's, you know, that there are people who are fearful of it because you can, I mean, you can go out and buy just about anything and no one knows who bought it because the it, the encryptions and everything in there are just so superb that it is, I mean, it's one of the most secure things ever. Um, now, the currency piece that is driving it, like your Bitcoins, Dogecoins, Ethereum, and I mean, there's a whole bunch of them that are out there. Um, you know, they've seen some some tremendous growth, but like if you look at Bitcoin, um, where it had 60% or something like that, I think, uh, upwards of 60% of the cryptocurrency market share and then within a couple of weeks it dropped below 50 because all these other things got started getting introduced right um, you know there's um and then in my world you know you 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 talk about um, you know regulations like right, right now there's a whole bunch of regulations and stuff around those and you know it's the wild wild west and then yep. once regulations do come because they will eventually but how, how are they going to come, Lump? How are they going to come? And it's a, it's an international currency. Well, it's an international. Well, because you're just now getting to the point where you can buy something with uh, with Bitcoin or Ethereum or something. Well, you heard you heard about those athletes uh, requesting to get paid in Bitcoin. There was, there was a couple mm -hmm. of athletes in the news. Yeah. Who was it, Blast and E? I know Russell Okun from. Uh, I believe he played for either the Panthers or Seattle at one time. Okay. He took half of it. I, I think that's crazy. I think that's crazy. Like 6.5 And then Blast sent somebody the other day. He was a, I believe he played for the Kansas City Chiefs. He took his yeah, salary. Yeah, linebacker, I believe, uh, you know, requested his whole salary in Bitcoin or whatever. Yeah. What about? And then, what about? And then uh, we, we, we was looking at uh, Joe Burrow signed an endorsement deal with a, um, I thought that was Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence. That's interesting, man. Some sort of uh, digital digital yeah. currency type of platform, and his his endorsement payments were going to be in you know whatever type of coins. They didn't really specify. So. Well, and I mean, here's the thing with those. Like when you look at it right now, you know, Bitcoin is work because it's being publicly traded. Somebody's going to be in publicly traded now. The one thing that I would caution people on when you're getting paid in cryptocurrency right now, every time you cash out some cryptocurrency, you're creating a taxable event and a capital gain, um, which if, you know, again, this is where regulations come in. Like if capital gains, like right now, long-term capital gains are capped, um, but who's to say how they're treating your Bitcoin? You know, if you're an athlete, let's just say you're an athlete, you're a brand new guy. And you get a $10 million sign-up bonus. It's like, oh, yeah, give me all of that in Bitcoin. Well, you got to wait 365 days before that's long-term capital gains for if you just want to take out $25 to get, you know, to go get something at the, you know, get something to eat. Um, so you have to take those things into consideration. Right? You have to realize that, that, entire, that, that entire thing. Do you have to realize that entire amount if you wanted to withdraw just $25? No, no. You just realize the capital gain on that 25 So, like, if you've got, you know, and then they break, you know, Bitcoin and all these things. Like, I mean, it costs fifty-two thousand dollars for a single Bitcoin. So, I mean, trading it in in dollars less than that, um, you're doing partial shares and all those things. But there's still capital gain. I mean, it's going to be, you know, accountants are going to have a. I mean, they're going accountants going to get rich. 
because everything that um, when people start saying, well, just pay me in Bitcoin, they're doing all their transactions and all those capital gains, those transactions and everything. Accountants are just, I mean, I might change professions. So I just go wow. because I didn't think about that. I did not think about that. Yeah, because I mean, it's going to be a ridiculous, like, I don't know how you get, like, uh, even in my tax return because of my, uh, some of the investment portfolios I have, I mean, I've got a, I got a booklet of things that come, you know, from some of the investments that I have, man, if I, if you start doing every transaction that you make, like as soon as they have like a, you know, cause now they have where you can go and withdraw some, you know, funds from uh, ATMs that, you know, cash in your Bitcoin and you'll have um, debit cards and stuff with Bitcoin, man, all those things are capital gains. And the, you know, I, I mean, and are they short term? So if you're a new guy that just got paid and that everything is short term capital gains. Yeah. You know, because listen, you know, so there's one there's one thing. Then the other thing, what if all the, you know, yes, it's an international way of currency and everything. What if uh, all the major um economies in the world were just like, you know what, we ain't accepting that. Yeah. Because we don't like it. One, one, one argument that I had heard against uh cryptocurrency is that it, it it could never replace the quote unquote dollar because no one would want to be paid based upon that fluctuation of Bitcoin. So I, I know we hear about all these athletes taking that salary. So today that salary may be worth 6.5 million, but if the bottom drop out of Bitcoin, that salary could be worth 6.5. So if you bring it down to the your common man, hey, pay me in Bitcoin, I make $100,000 on Tuesday, but Bitcoin dropped and now I'm only making $60,000. Yeah. He said people are never going to buy into that. Well, I mean, never is a strong term. I mean, as technology keeps going on, people might do different things and there might be some things to stabilize uh, currencies. I mean, there's, um, you know, that's a very valid point. But the thing is, if someone is paying you in that, they're going to pay you at that what it is it is you know what it's rated at or what it cost at that point in time so like right now let's just say bitcoin is fifty thousand dollars a bitcoin and you know you get paid a hundred thousand dollars a year you get two bitcoin yeah but like next week in two weeks it's like what you say like in two weeks it could be like oh well you know bitcoin bottom fell out it's only twenty five thousand dollars a bitcoin so, so you man, think for Bitcoin, and I mean, but it's like you know the value in the you know in that in the open market. So do you think do you think that. that there would be a way to lock in at a at a, a certain price, just like you lock in an interest rate, right? Like when you, when you're buying a home, you you say, hey, you know, I want two point five percent or three point nine percent, whatever, whatever you lock in at, then. The, the mortgage company can't go up or down on it because you locked in. Do you think there'll be a way to lock in a Bitcoin? Yeah, that's that's different though, because you're borrowing and you're paying something back over time. Wasn't it, you know, with Bitcoin, you know, locking in something like you can't lock in. That's like saying that there'll be no inflation or deflation. Like you can't so you based get paid. On yeah, we get paid in dollars right now. There's inflation and deflation. Let's face it. Like 10 years ago, our $100 doesn't buy the same thing that it buys today. Um, you know, there's, you know, you can't, you know, like that. Now, don't get me wrong. They're locking in like a, lo a loan they're locking in 10 years ago. And they're saying, hey, that's what the rates are at this point in time. 
the banks are hoping that the rates don't rise. Um, because then if they do, you know, people are like, like, you know, rates are going to go up. I got a pretty good rate on my mortgage. I'm not going to refinance it if it goes up. But like if rates are like ridiculously low how they are now and I can get it down to 2%, you know, then that's what we're going to do. Now, the financial institutions know there's always going to be people that need to borrow money. So even though right, rates may drop out or rates may rise and they've got all these people in these low interest things, they've also restructured themselves to where all of their debt and everything is in lower interest. So as it moves forward and the rates raise, they're, you know, their cash, it's like how companies are right now. Right. You so they, 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 they pretty much just sell that paper off though. Like once they, yeah. once they collect all that paper, they, they'll sell it off and, and they'll right. start over. Yeah. They'll start over and then, because there's always consumers. That's just how our society is set up. Like how our society set up what wouldn't work at like a, you know, like a, a United Arab Emirates or something where they don't believe in, interest in borrowing and stuff like that where they're a cash society but they're wealthy in certain things because like, they have all the oil man they just cash out you know what i mean they buy the lambos well they it's, buy it's, like four or five lambos at a time over but there. it's cultural though it's a, a cultural thing with their religion they don't believe in that interest like wait a minute i got i got five dollars i give you five dollars right mean? i'm gonna <laughs> give you i've got five dollars i'm gonna give you 12 if i keep it for a long like, well, that's, that's banking though that's the that's that's the that's the that's the gist of banking so they don't believe in banking no, they believe in banking. They just don't believe in borrowing in in the terms of how we do. Like our 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 you know our society is based on credit and be, and access to capital and things. There, right. Theirs is not. There's okay. you know theirs is not, and that's why they can make a killing and stuff over here because it's just like so they're like oh wait a minute what do you mean I can get this money right now for free you know I don't have to give you anything and then, but you know what if if I was floating on oil I probably wouldn't want to borrow either you know what I mean they're their whole country's floating on oil. <laughs> yeah, I mean, until wasn't even until oil is no longer needed. It's just you know, again, that's why I say never is such a strong term. Who would have thought we'd ever have a car that is just straight electricity? Right. And yeah. then you know, you know, Cadillac just uh, said you know in twenty twenty nine, that's it. Uh, wasn't it no more um, no more combustible engines for uh, Escalades? They're gonna be all electric. So as the world starts to recover, yeah. but you know what? Until until I start seeing some airplanes on electric, it's still gonna be it's gonna be a need for, for a crude oil. Yeah, crude but oil I mean, is gonna be out there for a while. Yeah, but it'll be so diminished. And, and that's the thing. It's like right now because they found if you go back to um, you know we're, this kind of off topic, but if you go back to when you know oil was like skyrocketing, as oil started to increase per barrel. The oil companies found out after they get past a certain point, a bunch of these alternative fuel uh, companies and stuff start springing up out of the ground and people start looking for alternatives because it's too expensive. So they, you know, they brought the oil back, the prices back down to squash some of that, you know, that anxiety. Um, because a lot of people think all the money is in oil. That's not where the money actually is. The money is in the extraction of the oil. Right. So, you know, if you, you know, as long as you're paying for people to get the oil out of the ground, they don't ever have to send it to market. I mean, is you know, because that's where the money is being made. So it's, um, you know. So they'll sit on those barrels. They'll just sit yeah, on the barrels. They'll sit on, I mean, they'll sit on because they're paying for them to take it out of the ground. But then if you get a, just imagine like an economy like the United States and China, just those two, those two alone, if they just went to half, half of their vehicles being electric vehicles. They'll take a hit. 
I mean, it'll just, it'll be, I mean, it'll, it'll devastate that industry. I mean, it, you know, the gas it, prices, the gas prices will go down. Yeah. But then you won't be able to find a car that runs on gas. We'll be back to 99 cent gallons. I can fill up the Cordoba. I can fill up the Cordoba. <laughs> right. right. Wow. That's interesting, man. That's interesting. That's, that's a very good take on, on two, two or three different topics. Um, did you have something you wanted to chime in with? You said me. Yeah, I thought you, I thought you was trying to get in on one of them. It, it slipped my mind. I'll come back right. to it. I remember it. It's that. It's that beer he drinking. Man, can't remember. I'm drinking four point five. This is this is <laughs> this is juice over here. So, John, when yeah. you when you are you currently advising clients as it relates to to Bitcoin? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are advising clients. And, um, you know, a lot of people is interesting and people are like, and it's hot. So a lot of people ask the question, they want to get into certain things and it just depends on what their risk tolerance is. Um, some people, quite frankly, have no business in anything like that because of the uncertainty. Yeah. Um, some people for portions of their portfolio, it makes sense for them um, to do some different things. Um, it's just a matter of like I said, the individual, but we do uh, we do advise on on those different things. And there's my daughter. Yeah, hey, hey, daughter, how you doing? <laughs> Welcome to the House hey, of Stocks podcast. How you doing? And <laughs> <laughs> hey, for you, it'd be pops and stocks. <laughs> pops. <laughs> y'all got anything else y'all want to touch base with on with Lump while we got him here? I mean, it's an interesting economy out there, man. Just, um, you know, like with the talk now of, um, you know, changing the capital gains tax um, yeah. to pay for some of this infrastructure bill. Um, typically, when you have Democratic office uh, administrations, you have more um, regulation. Um, you know, so some of those things are happening. But then, you know, you look at the healthy balance sheets of a lot of these companies, like, it's really, um, you know, fascinating to see how this last year has gone um, with uh, the pandemic and how the government has stepped in on some things and how some places have uh, been able to remain afloat. Um, you know, it'll it'll be interesting to see how these small and mid-sized businesses come out of these things because they really did, did get ignored. I heard I heard some of your clients were upset that you didn't push that GameStop on them like you should have. <laughs> I'll tell you what, the GameStop thing, you know, what's funny about that is, um, and this is completely by, you know, by chance, because if you look at GameStop and look at their business model and their profit and earnings and all those things, I mean, it's a terrible business model. I mean, it was, you know, it's bad business model, failing thing. It's lots of brick and mortar Um um, retail stores that are in a lot of them were located in in malls, which are I mean, is you you couldn't pick a worse business model I, I think in the current time. And then it was a pandemic. But you know, uh, this is completely by chance. My my son, his one his one thing is he said he wants to own a video game company when he's when he's older. Which I'm like, all right, it's fine. My daughter loves starbucks so we're doing something wrong in here that i got kids that want starbucks but you know so <laughs> I listen, man. you know what starbucks is going to start taking bitcoin as a as a payment 
Yeah, they're going to have to start taking some because the stock is killing me right now because they overbuilt Starbucks when they first came out. I mean, they but were. You know what? McDonald's, McDonald's really put a hit because they started coming out with those, um, you know, gourmet coffees and stuff like that, really competing with Starbucks. Well, that, but Starbucks thing was they overbuilt. They went, they, they went gangbusters and there was, they had a, you know, I don't know if any of you've been to Boston. When I played the Patriots, we, you know, we were in around the Boston area. And there's a Dunkin' Donuts across the street from a Dunkin' Donuts. And Starbucks did that same thing. And it just was right. not, you know, it was saturated. Yeah, and oversaturated. And now they're trying to scale that to the right thing. But, you know, so I bought them a couple shares of the thing. I'm like, well, GameStop, it, it was a cheap stock. I bought him a couple, you know, a couple <laughs> shares of it. She got bought her a couple shares of Starbucks. And then – um. You know, I'm looking at it, and then I was looking at something, and I was like, man, wait, this can't be right. So, you know, I, I thought there was an error because I really wasn't looking at the GameStop thing because it was not on our radar at all. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, couple, uh, you know, not even a couple hundred, but I think it was 120 bucks, like grew to like a thousand. Like, uh, I was like, I said, that can't be right. Something's wrong. And then, um, no, it was it was right. That price uh, jumped up there, man. And, um we uh you know and i was like oh i gotta sell a couple of these because i mean yeah. I, i'm not i mean it ain't gonna get any and you nah. people are like hold on to it so then i started looking into the story and a lot of places had you know short positions in it because everybody was betting that that stock was going to tank and they were going to put that price on somebody yeah, that's just what they were doing yeah. and um some people got in there and they start you know our generation are gamers like i mean i still play playstation um you know, a lot of people still do. And then my son plays PlayStation and, and you know, people are gamers. So it was um, somebody had to tell them that to have had to know that there were all these short positions on on GameStop. And it just so happened to be nostalgic to where everybody's like, I'll buy some GameStop. It was like what I did. I'm like, oh, OK, GameStop. It's a video game company. It's about, you know, and, um, and then it just shot up like that. And then it kept running. But um, if it's one thing that you'll see is when the wrong people lose enough money, they will shut it down. Right. Um, you know, so, where some people where I feel sorry for them because, you know, they threw a couple, you know, a couple thousand dollars in the, you know, into uh, GameStop, and then they turn around like, oh, hey, man, my portfolio had a million dollars. Yeah. Let me cash out. And then that button is grayed out. Yeah. <laughs> And Robin Hood is great. Uh, yeah. It was, you know, and it was, you know, it was, you know, and then it, the, it bankrupted the uh, one hedge fund, but they went out and got a, they got a line of credit. The, like the, It was like three days later for like a billion dollars. I mean, it was, you know, it was right. capitalism at its finest, man. Does uh, Robin Hood and other um, entities like that compete with a financial advisor's job? Well, it does for the, you know, like with me and for like younger, younger people, like I can do it myself because I can get on there and do these things. But right. in all honesty, I mean, yeah, you can do it yourself, but there's always someone such as myself that's behind the scenes that's got to pull the trigger on that. The financial world you have to have in order to trade in stocks and all those things for someone to execute that trade. They have to have the licenses and things that I have. They got to have a Series 6, Series 7, a 66, um, they got to have some variable license, you know, their blue sky licenses. And then, you know, there's even some other ones to trade and some other things. Um, so there's always somebody behind it. The danger in, you know, what 
you know, we see with the Robin Hoods, the acorns and people saying they can do things themselves are people typically don't do like what I do for a living and say, and look at the fundamentals of what's going on in the market, assessing what your risk is, weighing those things out against, you know, global uh, research and seeing if it makes sense. Um, they act on it's. I don't want to say it's gambling, but it's, it's along the same lines of, you know, a lot of people have gambling problems because they go and they, they get on the crab table and they win a hundred dollars and then it feels good. So then they're like, Oh, I can keep doing these things. And that can happen in the stock market, especially when you're just trading, you know, day trading on your own thing. Um, the danger is that you get into something like, you know, say there, there's some people that probably lost a lot of money on that, uh, on that GameStop deal. And like, unlike the hedge fund that went out and got another line of credit and three days later, the average man could be just, you know, ass out out here, yeah. um, you know, and, uh, and that can happen very quickly. Um, cause the market turns a lot faster now than what it used to right? Um, because of things like acorn robin and the people, right. putting, uh, you know, having automatic triggers on their, their accounts and things of that nature. Right. I mean, the re retail be, traders. Yeah. It used to be, you want to make a trade or something. You call someone says to myself, like, Hey, look, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? And then we look at something and we're like, ah, well, maybe you should do this. Or yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Okay. We'll execute it. We pick up the phone and call somebody and execute the trade. Now that whole cycle happens within seconds. So what ends up happening, you'll see these huge dips and these huge spikes in the market. Um, and it's all because of, you know, people are trying to catch up and stop the automatic triggers all the time. Be like, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not happening. You know, that's not what happened. Um, you can have the wrong person have a trigger on something that has a large enough position that it'll start setting off other triggers and um, it'll create, you know, huge dips in the market. Now right. that creates some opportunities for some people, but I mean, for the average person, I mean, you could, you know, you could really, you know, lose some serious money. It's why I'm against privatizing um, Social Security um, because it, it just, you know, like, oh, let those people just uh, invest that money how they want. I'm like, no, nah, let's not do that because yeah. <laughs> some people out there going to get hurt by that. Right, right. Yeah. Wow, man, you, you've really given us some insightful stuff to think about. I got a, I got two questions. Um, so we all have kids on here and, you know, we all during the pandemic, I think Doug has probably been investing the longest or I think Blast has some. Nah, nah, Doug, Doug had me beat. Yeah. Um, both of, both of y'all had me beat. Both of y'all had me beat. We all, Doug longer than all of us, all, you know what I'm saying, kind of hopped into, you know, brokers accounts, you know, during the pandemic and investing and whatnot. And then it spun off into getting our kids into it, you know, so we all have, you know, kids who are older and I have a son who just, you know, entered the full-time working world. So I had him get a brokerage account, but if you was advising him as a 23 year old who had, you know, $200 a week, I'm sorry, a month to invest, what direction would you, would you send him in? Well, he's 23, so he's younger. So he's got a lot longer before he's, um, he's going to be achieving retirement. The one good thing is if he's going to be in a brokerage account or something like that, and he's got $200 a month, he can systematically invest. So he's going to dollar cost average. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with dollar cost averaging, what that is, but that just means you're investing a certain amount of money every month, whether uh, markets up, down, 
sideways, flat, any, it doesn't matter. Um, that'll be good for him doing that. I would have him probably, uh, most young people like that, there's a couple ways they go about doing it. Um, if he wants to spread his risk out, he could pick a mutual fund or something like that that he's adding to um, that can grow, um, that's going to have limited fees and things of that nature on there. Um, actually, it's not a bad idea now with some of the uh, Acorns and Robinhoods and E-Trades and those things that he can have those accounts and then he can um, he can buy some things that he's interested in, like I don't know if he's got, like, he got on a Nike shirt. Maybe he likes Nike. So every, what's that, you know, that two, he's buying some Nike every, you know, every month, whether it's up or down and, and doing something like that. Um, the most important thing I would say is just the discipline of investing or saving every month. That's the most important thing. Um, a lot of people, including myself, I, you know, I just didn't have the saving habits um, that, I should have had a long time ago when I was, you know, you know, playing football and doing all types of other things. I mean, I had more spending habits than saving habits. Um, so that's what I try to tell young folks. I mean, cause it accumulates really fast. Um, especially it's like, it's like getting a snowball. Once it gets, you know, as it gets bigger, it starts to roll down the hill. It keeps getting bigger and then it's harder to stop. Um, so I would with him and all younger people, I would, focus on the fundamentals and the discipline of doing it every month because the investment piece, like I said, he could find a, a an ETF with an exchange traded fund that's, um, that's out here that uh, mirrors one of the markets um, or one of the um, the indexes or he get an index fund or something like that would be good for him um, as he starts to grow it some more and it gets into, you know, where he's got ten, fifteen thousand dollars in there, he can start branching off into some other things to diversify across there. Um, and then along the way he's learning too. So as he's doing these things, he's learning, oh, I got this. I kind of like it, but I want to try something different. So then he can be moving on and, and trying something different um, as he gets older. Appreciate that. That makes sense. That makes sense. The discipline, though, the discipline of doing it every month, because he'll forget about it. Like if he's in an entry level job, he's making thirty thousand dollars a year or something, and he's putting two hundred dollars a month away. After six months, he's not even going to notice it's gone. And then every time he gets a raise, he should take a piece of that raise and then add to what he's doing every month, because he ain't going to notice that it's gone. It's like you force you force habits, like um, the. Uh, recessions what what reset what companies find out about recessions are they can lay off a bunch of people they pay too much and hire two people to do the same job that they were doing at half the price and then what people have found is oh i made a uh, hundred thousand dollars i can actually make it on 50 um you know and you just learn to live within your means and everything and right. saving you just you're not gonna miss it and then He'll turn around and then all of a sudden he got $150,000 and he's not even going to know where it came from. And it's just from discipline. Yeah. And that, that reminds me of um, the Kawasaki, the rich dad, poor dad, where you pay yourself first, mm -hmm. pay yourself first. So whatever, whatever you, I don't care if you're getting, you know, a hundred dollars a week, pay yourself $25 and just keep that, keep that going. So I think that discipline part is crucial that, you know, something that we need to really bestow onto our children. And still in them, if you're gonna start it, don't stop. You know, don't stop. But we don't want to keep you, uh, John. Man, we really appreciate your time. 
um, anybody around the Dayton area, Cincinnati, where are you able to help people all around Ohio or? Oh, I can help people in all 50 states and U.S. territories. I got okay. a blue sky license. So, yeah, yeah all you got to do is Google me, man. If they put in John Lumpkin Financial Advisor, all my stuff will come come up. And then you can, okay. set, yeah, you can set appointments. You can, um, you can call me. My website um, is, got, it's really informative. So if you look at my website on there, um, it's, it's really informative. And I say, also want to applaud you for what you're doing for the West Side, the, um, not gentrification, but you know what I mean. But the, the building, <laughs> of, the building of the West Side, man. So I, I applaud you on that. And you're also, you and your brother, are very, you know, heavy in the community. So you're really holding down that com community active activism, you know, saying pretty well. So I, I appreciate you all standing in the in, in, in Trotwood and making and holding people accountable. Really, that's I think that's what's happening right now, holding people accountable in Trotwood to make sure we get businesses back in Trotwood. And they respect that black dollar. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I appreciate it, man. We're trying to do something, man. We um, like I said, we bought that uh, that building down there on West Third. I mean, right. my family first came to Dayton. That's where they came. We, I mean, my family is located right down the street from there. Right. Um, my brother still lives in Trywood, trying to do some things out there. Um, we're just trying to get people to understand that, um, you know. Our community, man, spans beyond some of these political boundaries and things. And, um, you know, you look around here, like the five of us, man, you know, they don't care where we where we live or anything like that. They're like, you know, our, our community, they're like, oh, we're all one and the same if we walk into a, you know, into a room somewhere else. And But together, man, we can do some things really, really powerful. Um you know, if we uh, we stick together, we, you know, we circulate our dollar in our community. Um, we support one another and we don't run from one another. Like, you know, um, I'm big on not having to not be around anybody that looks like us for me to, quote unquote, feel like I've made it. Um, we need to understand that there's people like us. I mean, if our neighborhood would, consisted of all brothers like us, and our families and things of that nature. And then we start to bank in our own community. It'll be, you know, it'll be back like I was at Black Wall Street, man. I mean, that's a, that's a, for those who don't know um, that story, because it's, I mean, you know, history is told by the victors, not by the, the oppressed. Exactly. Um, you know, they, um, that community was a, a community within itself where, I mean, we didn't have to go to a, you know, predominantly white institution and say, hey, can I get a loan where they redline everything? Because we had black banks, we had, you know, commerce and everything in our community. And that, that's very possible um, to happen now. And and not being anti-diversity or anything like that is just, you know, being proud of uh, who we are and what we represent and understand that the black community in the United States, black people in the United States are the seventh largest economy on the planet. And- wow that's powerful and, and we just don't powerful. we don't I recognize it <laughs> yeah, I, I know that that's that's, that's big info yeah. i've been saying it for a while man is that um and i i was reading the other day it looks like dayton is gonna uh come back with some form of uh lot links where you can buy the um the abandoned properties again and kind of pay the taxes at a reduced at a reduced rate but the areas like the old Miami Chapel area, Broadway and all that area, like right over the, over there, by, right by the river, over the bridge, mm -hmm. 
Like they showing you what they doing. Like they not hiding their cards. Like they coming for those properties. You know what I'm saying? So it's like if if brothers can band together, not necessarily brothers, but brothers and sisters can band together, buy up those properties, they gotta go through us. And if we don't sell, and if we, you know what I'm saying, build our own and say, nah, y'all, y'all not coming over here. And, right. and not once again, not to 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 segregate anything, but there's opportunities for us to to create generational wealth by buying land. You know what I'm right. saying? It's, it's one thing that they don't make more of. It's real estate. You can't buy more real estate than what are what there is out there. And so, I, and I, I hate I hate that we always have to we have, as black people we always have to throw the disclaimer in like we we're not anti diversity man they they've been anti diversity you know what I mean they, we we've been exploited we've been exploited so why not take that power back so I I don't think there's an apology necessary. For doing what you what, what you two just mentioned. There's no apology. We don't have no, to I don't, say I don't you know think I mean? there's an apology thing. It's just, you know, I'm for my thing is this like and, and being here in Dayton, like there, I've gotten to the point to where, you know, some people should just go. <laughs> because it's like they're not gonna ain't gonna be man, ain't nothing right. I can't do it. And I'm like, you right. You should go to Atlanta. <laughs> just, just like, because they're not going to, you know, they're not going to ever see anything different. There's something in it, you know, and it's okay for some people to just go, but you you're absolutely right. I don't think that there's anything wrong with having pride in your community and doing something. Um, you know, I also am one that, you know, people talk about diverse neighborhoods and everything. And I'm like, I said, man, I mean, I, there's just neighborhoods that aren't black yet. They're not Hispanic yet. They're not Asian yet. They're not wherever the predominant uh, or the dominant culture has not fled from um, to be away from all those other things. Right. Um, the The problem is, is when we don't own like things like real estate, like the only thing that constantly appreciates is raw land. It never depreciates in value. Right. raw land like the worst thing you can do with a blank piece of land is put a building on it because then the building will depreciate the land they can reset the price <laughs> but this you know a lot of people don't know yeah. but um you know billy says so you know like with gentrification like people are like oh gentrify gentrify this and i was like i see you gotta understand something there's three things with the gentrification i said you can either be a participant you can be a spectator or a victim yeah and those are the three things you can be when it comes to gentrification. And people need to understand, this is not like, this, like in Ohio, you really can't gentrify areas because you can't, the process is so long to take away somebody's property if they're property tackling. You, you know, it's not like in New York or something. New York, you don't pay a property tax, they come get your stuff in six months. You know, in Ohio, they can lean on your property forever, hope that, you know, somebody wants to come and try to buy it. And then if you go and make a payment on it, then they got to wait another two years. Gentrification doesn't work like that. But then, you know, the other thing is this. And I've cautioned this in the city of Dayton. I'm like, look, man, we have enough services. And I was like, I'm all for taking care of the less fortunate and everything. I said, you can't, you know, you can judge the greatness of a society on how it treats us poor. Now, I mean, that's just the bottom line. But you don't just provide for the poor. We have so many services in the city of Dayton. Other cities literally send their people here because we have so many social services. And I was like, yes, you have to, we have to start asking the question. I'm like, you know, I'm a financial advisor. I'm a stockbroker. My wife's an engineer. Um, we live next door to a pastor. We live next door to a doctor and, and his wife, who's a, a doctor, who's the airport director. I'm like, 
when are we going to do something for us in the city? And, and they're like, well, that's just selfish. Is it? Is it right. selfish? You know, I'm like, I'm not saying take something away that we already have because we have enough social programs to, that literally people, they're sending people here to take advantage of them. My thing is, can we at some, at some point start to build some amenities and things that cater to a middle-class type of, you know, thing like we at down the street from me, there's a whole street where every household for above list price and everyone on a two block, they all have advanced degrees or terminal degrees. They're all doctors. <laughs> either have master's degrees or doctorates and we came to the meeting they're like we're tired of everybody saying on the west side is poor we're not poor we're all doctors and i'm like right but they just they keep building low income stuff like when you drive through west dayton you see a family dollar and a dollar general on every single block you see a cell phone store you see a, a fish shop they're not building quality retail and so people aren't taking aren't taking pride in those neighborhoods it's like, man, how many Dollar Generals do you actually need? Well, here's the thing. Dollar General actually, because, you know, uh, full disclosure, I am long on some Dollar dollar General. I like their business, you know, <laughs> their business model. Because Dollar General finds what they do, their business model is, where did like a big box of Target, a Walmart or a Maya or something close? And they'll flank that place with as many stores so the buying power actually doesn't leave and they have much smaller footprints because, you know, Contrary to popular belief, Dollar General is not a dollar store. Yeah. Everybody thinks it's a dollar store. No, they're yeah. all franchise too. Like you'll see Dollar Generals look completely different in some neighborhoods than what they do in others. Um, but you're right. You see all these things, these family dollars, these dollar generals, but what they see that a lot of other people don't see are are expendable dollars. They they know or dispose not disposable income, but consumers. So they know that people in these neighborhoods consume. They know if they go out to affluent neighborhoods, these people don't spend as much, or they'll go to a Costco and they shop once a month. They don't. They don't live check to check. They're not constantly spending every two weeks. So they. I mean, they're very, very smart in how they have. Uh, how they've. Uh, how they've done it. And, and when you say that um, people aren't, they don't take pride in the neighborhoods. The people who exist in that neighborhood don't take pride in them. The people who are coming from outside see opportunity. They don't see, they're like, hmm, I can buy a house here for $60,000. And it's got four bedrooms and 2,000 square feet and all of that. And then they fix the house up. Case in point, right Dunbar, right outside of, um, you know, downtown Dayton. All of our lives growing up, right Dunbar looked like nuclear winter. The, I mean, there was burn up buildings, everything's torn up over there. There was prostitutes walking in the alley. It was just, it was terrible. And, you know, and now the last house over there sold for $290,000 and it sold uh, three days after they put it up for listing. No house over there can stay um, on the market. If you, if you list a house right now, it'll have five or six offers before the end of the week above wow. the price. And that's in a place that's, uh, that was destitute. Now, how many of us are buying over there? None. So all wasn't it. Right Dunbar has gone from a historically black neighborhood of homeowners. And at point at one point in time where Fifth Street in Dayton was the most affluent place for, you know, black individuals to now it's predominantly white. 
60% white neighborhood. People parking over there in West Dayton, off West Third Street in Teslas. And then I got some, you know, some people, friends of mine, I got to get out of here. And I'm like, okay, go. That's when you want to hold. (laughs) One would think. You want to hold. You should go. You should go. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. I'm like, you're correct. Go to Atlanta. But don't complain about it. I was like, man, you know, because I had someone tell like, oh, the white folks, they selling all the houses to the white folks. I'm like, hmm. Houses go for sale. Anyone can yeah, buy it. Yeah, they sell them to the green. Yeah, they sell yeah. them to the money. And you know, it ain't like it was like you know, it's not like it was a neighborhood that was just you know already like that. I'm talking, I'm, I'm talking about ridiculous blight. Yeah, and yeah. crime and re- I mean ridiculous. And now it's the one of the hottest neighborhoods in the city. I mean, you can buy lots like in that not probably not that specific area, but like I said, right up right off the river. Like I've seen lots listed for like nine hundred, a thousand, and like you said, it's just land. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, and so your property tax on that gonna be like sixty bucks a year. Like, it's it's a great investment. You yep. just wait for people to start building, and then build your own when when it, when it comes. They, I, I live I mean, here. Yeah. I live here in Nashville, and I live in a gentrified area. I mean, this used to be, from what I heard, it used to be the hood. I mean, where you live? I live in Germantown. Okay, what's the name? My um, because my my mom, my my mother, not my my grandmother, and all of them, they were over in uh Edgewood, which okay. gentrified. I mean, my the house was like, I mean, uh, eight hundred square feet. They tore it down and built a seven hundred and eighty thousand dollar ridiculous house with a view of the skyline. Yeah, it's what they do down here. So I was, I'm in the ho- I'm in the housing market right now. So I'm, you know, on on Zillow and Redfin, and like, you know, being from Dayton, I never thought in my wildest dreams I would be searching for houses that that are three hundred thousand. You know what I'm saying? But that's that's the that's the entry point. You know what I'm saying? The entry point. The median housing price in Nashville is three hundred thirty thousand dollars. Yeah. So I was on Redfin the other day, and I, you know, I put in my price point, and I was like, oh. A house for two hundred fifty thousand. I was like, "Oh, sweet! Where is it at?" It was blank land. It was a piece of land. Oh wow! And it was a piece of land in my neighborhood. So that means I get, I get the land for two fifty. Yeah, and then you still got to build. I still yeah. put a house on it. So you upwards. So even all the all the new construction, you could put a double wide on it, man. <laughs> I mean, you probably. Hey, they, you, hey, I'm telling you, my I'm telling my what used to be my grandparents' house. Um they the lot that they had they built two houses on it. that's what and they do yeah that's what they do and i but i was trying i was trying to tell my uncle and all them before i said don't sell it sell half your lot yeah i said because then they're going to build on that other lot take the proceeds from that build the house you want i said because then instead of selling your house for three hundred four hundred thousand dollars you can sell that bad boy for like a million dollars you're on you're on a double lot right yeah. and, you know and they just they just took all those people over there man and i was just like i said man i was like y'all don't understand like it was ninth avenue south i'm telling you you walked out of my uh, grandparents house and you had a panoramic view of the skyline of nashville i said man this is this neighborhood is a fortune i was like y'all don't understand what you're saying it's crazy crazy. i live i live right off of rosa parks in jefferson by uh the baseball stadium and um Mm -hmm. 
there's not a there's not a single house well one there's no there's no houses available in germantown but i mean three bedroom two bath like you got to have at least seven hundred fifty thousand to to even remotely try to get a three and two um condos if they keep gentrifying are they gonna change the name of rosa parks to somebody else man no they don't do that because even in <laughs> harlem they still got like the funniest thing ever man i'm like i see all these white families playing in marcus garvey park <laughs> i'm like wow hey that's what's up marcus garvey <laughs> yeah, he's rolling around right now right it's like, it's like a cool factor to live on those streets man like, <laughs> I, I i deal with I deal- I mean, people people who are coming in those communities are pretty liberal anyway. So you you would probably know that they're pretty understanding of yeah. Of, of well, the they history. know what it is. It's cool for them, but I tell you, they're liberal until the neighborhood starts to look like us, and there's only one of them left. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't True. don't get don't don't be fooled. True. It's um you know because the liberal north is the most segregated schools now. Yeah. Yeah. Liberals like yes equality as long as it's not next to me. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'll fight. I'll fight for you as long as you still. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's crazy. crazy. Yeah, but think about this. You know, this is something, you know, being from Dayton that I never thought I'd see. A condo, and I'm sure not a condo, a whole a whole row of condos in downtown Dayton. Yeah. Downtown Dayton, Ohio. Selling for five hundred thousand plus. I've seen that craziness, wow. and I was like, "This is they, they can't build them fast enough." I mean, yeah. every time they build, what is sold? Man, yeah. that's the thing. So uh, that's, you, that's why you got to start looking at like what's what's the street that goes over to right out of downtown, goes over to into Trump. Patterson. I'm sorry, goes over to like Parkside and all that. That Patterson no, Boulevard. Yeah, no, that's Webster. Yeah, Webster. Webster. Yeah, they already bought that. The Croc Center over there is new. And all that stuff, and then they um they just kicked DMHA people off of there on the other side of the park. And I said that when Parkside was was there, like I've always been a you know I was an economics major in college and everything. But I, you know, I said man because I played for you know I played uh, AAU for Parkside, so you know went to camp over there at Parkside and all that stuff. And I'm like, as a teenager, I was like, why did they put these projects here with this view of downtown? <laughs> You know, it makes sense. I was like, this is, you know, and then, you know, they were like, why do we have these projects here with this view of that? Y'all are out of here. And they tore, and it's vacant right now. So it's just open I mean, space over there? It's just open space. And but, it's but weren't, weren't projects at, at one time just regular old luxury apartments? You know what I mean? Were they, were they always? They like, weren't, they were transitional housing because right, transitional so many housing. people were migrating here from the South for the manufacturing jobs. And they were supposed to be transitional housing. Like the soda baths was supposed to be transit transitional right. housing. Um, Arlington courts, all these places were supposed to be transitional. So you come in, you get your job, you get established and leave. But then there was no regulations or anything to make people have to move out of them. So they're like, man, I come up here, I got this middle-class job. I'm paying $6 a month in rent. <laughs> and moving out. Yeah, I'm right. staying. But then what ends up happening is the parents made that money. The kids did not. They stay in there generationally. They don't make middle class money. And then they become impoverished. And then now they're still there. And, right. um, you know, and I've been a long time fighter, like uh, against 
concentrating poverty. And then, um, you know, me and one of the commissioners had, you know, we, we were just at odds at, a, at this one thing. And he was like, well, you know, we're gonna, they're going to tear down the soda baths and they're going to reduce the number. I was like, man, you can't, I mean, it's, it, reducing the number of housing uh, people in the housing project doesn't make it a not a housing project. And I said, and I'm not knocking people that came from DeSoto Bass. I said, there are plenty of great people that have come from DeSoto Bass. I said, but they came from there in spite of their situation, not because of it. I said, yeah. we got to understand. I said, there's prosperity and poverty have one common trait. And if you concentrate them, they will spread. And I was like, you put another housing project there, you doomed a three mile radius from, you know, is gonna, I mean, because there's no disposable income, there's no rooftops or anything like exactly. that. You just doomed the whole area. I was like, and he said, No, you you got it. So we went back and forth. And I said, Well, I tell you what, because I know he and his wife. I said, You go and you tell your wife, y'all gonna build your new house across from the new DeSoto Bass. And let me know how that how that <laughs> let me know how that how that jumps off. Well, let I me mean the, that conversation the, stigma, goes. the stigma remains, especially when you call it low income housing. That's the stigma that sticks. And that stigma, unfortunately, carries the idea of, you know, blight and, and drugs and crime. You know what I mean? Um, there's there's some pride in ownership, regardless. So if you if you have renters, you're going to have a different type of community versus ownership. And that's just you know, the, the, you I mean, it's factual. You can't. Yeah, that's factual. But you also can't put. Uh, like I give you an example down the street when we before we built this house we built like we built our house in the city but right down the street on Philadelphia is where we live so we were all homeowners nice houses Dayton View Triangle we had some renters next door to us dude never cut his grass now I didn't know where you come from or anything but we were all cutting our grass he wasn't cutting his grass he also wasn't taking his trash out so I went and had a conversation with him I said hey man I said, I just want to have a discussion with you. And then we were out on the sidewalk. And he's like, yeah, what's going on? I said, I want you to look up and down the street. And so we're standing there looking. I said, you notice anything? And he was like, man, my grass is, yeah. I said, when do they come cut the grass? I'm like, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> you have to cut it. I said, now, if you want to use my lawnmower, I said, that's fine. And I said, because here's the thing, man. Nobody riding past you talking about how bad your yard is. That's it. They're riding past you and be like, man, look, you live next to that messed up house right there with the grass ain't cussing. So now they're talking about me. I said, then the other thing I said, man, you got you got to take your trash out. He was like, well, they haven't come to pick it up. I said, you haven't rolled it out. <laughs> and I said, you got, and he was like, well, you know, I said, so. I said, but you're talking about the learning curve. There's a learning right. curve so, that yeah, has to happen. Curve. But then I was telling, you know, now I could have been like, you know what, we out. Put this, you know, the sign up in our yard. But then I was trying to, you know, help this dude. So he cut his yard a couple times. Then he came, you know, they moved. He was like, man, y'all want too much over here. And I'm like, you, you should, should go. go. <laughs> go, to <Atlanta. laughs> you should go to Atlanta. You should go to Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, you should go. I mean, it was like, you know, but if we didn't have those homeowners there, you know, and come to find out he had actually come from the soda bag. So he, that's where you come. But if you don't have those homeowners there to tell somebody like, hey, man, you got to, and then some people are going to decide that's not what they want to do. They, you know, that ain't that ain't for them. Yeah. But man, if and you concentrate that. In so the, what was he doing with his trash? Oh, man, the, had, dude, I went I came out back because I had a, a, you know, privacy fence, but I'm six, eight, so I could see over it, man. They had. <laughs> 
all the trash was in the uh what's the name in the sunroom out back and i was like oh man the neighbor on the other side was like hey man he said they about to have rats and i said what so i looked no, y'all about to have rats <laughs> right because rats don't have you know they going wherever they you know so that's where you had man it was ridiculous man but he didn't know so right. i wasn't mad at him for not knowing but I am mad that you have you now you know and you don't want to do anything about yeah, you it. Still don't do it. And you know that that's what you know. But but that's the whole the whole concept of socio economics. You know what I mean? Socially, he wasn't there. Economically, he was able to rent, mm-hmm. but not own. Right. Socially, he was a renter, thinking that he wasn't responsible for anything that a homeowner would, would be responsible for. So, you know. I, I don't know if that's an opportunity for teach to teach people, but you know that, that happens a lot. You know, you have people moving out to the suburbs, and the 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 dynamic of the suburb they try to fit into, and I'm a, I'm gonna use the word assimilate. They have to assimilate. You you all were wanting that guy to assimilate into your norms, and he he wasn't able to. You're right. always gonna have that, you know, and, and it's frustrating, but you know that's just something that i guess we have to deal with but you just can't concentrate it man like you got like i told him i said the soda bass had i think uh 225 houses or 225 units that's what it has right now because they still haven't shut it down man we have what uh 38,000 vacant properties across the city of dayton 38,000 I'm like, why would we rebuild? I said, you take one of those and put it in one place. You take one and put it in another place. And you surround it with people who can help change it because you can't you can't change 200 homes if you put them in with that mentality with right. someone, like even so, someone such as myself. But if you put one or two of those homes in a neighborhood of 200 people, then it's like, well, wait a minute. I probably should cut my grass or you're going to have some people that they should just go. And I mean, <laughs> we have to understand, we have to accept that in, in society. Yeah. There's some people that are just not going to be, and we can't do that. It's, you know, our society, we got to save everybody. And, and you can't, it's not right. you can't. Some people are, you just can't. Yeah. I feel, man, I feel we can go on and on. I feel we can go on and on about this topic. Maybe we should have a part two, man. So this would be part one. Part two would be, uh, you know, going into the, the real estate climate of you know inner city because that's a whole nother you know conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, man, we we want to thank you, John, for uh, giving us your time. We know it's getting late. And um, anything else, fellas, that we can as we wrap this up. Yeah, man. You know, y'all y'all go online, check out Lump, like he said, check out his website, look him up, John Lumpkin. Uh, you know, check him out. He might be able to help you with your situation. And uh, tune in next time for more, you know, real estate tips uh, as we embark in another episode of uh, Hops and Stocks. So, hey, John, man, you know, salute to you and what you're doing for the community. Salute for everything, man, and uh, we'll be hey, in touch, man. Hey, hey John, right, man. Since, since this is it, man, I just want to say you should go. <laughs> I, can, I can accept that. That I can accept, man. Can. Hey, you, you gave you gave us a new catchphrase, man. We're gonna we're gonna be using that all over the place, man. Y'all go use that with a nigga. Somebody gonna be crazy. You gonna be like, they're like, man, this place is crazy, blah. You be like, you right. You should go. <laughs>
Hey man, John, you're always welcome to the hey, Ultra Welcome Stocks. back anytime, man. For, for and sure. uh, we'll you know we'll let you know where you can hear this uh, latest episode. And uh, again, thanks, man. Appreciate right, man. Appreciate y'all, brothers, man. Y'all, right, y'all be easy, man. If y'all ever Thank need you. anything, just let me know, man. All right, no, man, we definitely gonna have you back. Yeah, all right. The Hops and Socks podcast is presented by Hunter Smoke Media Group. We encourage our listeners to drink responsibly. Please note, we are not financial advisors. We do not offer or provide financial advice. Trademark copyrighted by Hunter Smoke Media Group.